This series was produced by Reuters Plus. Powerful stories start here. Hello and welcome. I'm Brian Falchuk, author, speaker, and a veteran of the financial services industry. And I'm Christian Mitchell, Executive Vice President and Chief Customer Officer at Northwestern Mutual. And together, we're going to be bringing you the Financial States of America. We will be exploring where people are at their financial journeys today, the many different routes forward that could be taken, and hopefully some lessons that can be learned along the way. And in our first episode, we're going to be looking at the challenge of getting started. Many of us want to build good financial habits, but we may not know where to start or how to begin the journey. It's a bit like learning a new skill, which is something I know you know a lot about, Christian. You recently learned to play the guitar as an adult. I'm very jealous. And we'll be talking about what that experience taught you, kind of surprisingly maybe, about financial planning in just a moment. Yeah, that's right. And we might have a guitar surprise for our listeners, uh, but we'll also be speaking to Dr. Christy Archuleta and the psychology of picking up new behavioral skills and the concept of financial therapy. So Christian, as we mentioned in the introduction, you learned a new skill as an adult playing the guitar. Can you tell us about that and what you learned from it? Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. So Christmas 2020, uh, my wife and I, we bought guitars for all of our five kids. So Christmas morning, as all of the kids were kind of strumming away their first chords, I was watching this kind of beautiful mayhem uh, and decided that I actually kind of wanted to play guitar too. So made the decision, jumped in, bought my first guitar, um, and kind of started this interesting journey that we'll explore today. And, you know, in reflecting on it, I'd always wanted to play an instrument, always wanted to pick something up, but, you know, all the kinds of excuses had gotten in my way through the years. I was too old, didn't have enough time, et cetera. But that Christmas Day uh, event was this catalyst. It, it actually caused me to, you know, kind of get off the couch, so to speak. So, Christian, I'm getting the mental image of you with your guitar jumping up off the couch on Christmas Day, but I don't get how it relates to finance. What was what was your big insight? So one of my insights from this guitar uh, playing journey that pertains to getting our financial houses in orders is this idea of just deciding to act. You know, our research shows that people are more content when they take control of their finances uh, so in our research, we found that 92% of Americans said that nothing would make them happier or more confident than having their finances in order. However, 62% still felt that like their financial plan needed improvement and 30% had never spoken to anyone about their financial plan. So people make excuses. I don't make enough money. I need to get my budget in order before I talk to uh, a financial advisor. Um, but my advice and one of my insights is just look for that catalyst, make up a pretext, do whatever you need to do to just take that jump and do something that may previously have seemed a bit scary. So, Brian, uh, so we talk, we'll talk about guitar a little bit, but I know that you personally have been trying out some new things or, you know, kind of changing out your approach to exercise. Why don't you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here hearing your story about learning the guitar and reflecting on me saying, well, that sounds too scary. And people are probably like, Brian, it's just a guitar. It won't hurt you. But it actually is very similar to how I felt about marathon training, where it was, you know, and, and my backstory is I was very overweight growing up and kind of always had this, uh, this negative relationship with exercise. And the marathon was so big and impossible. It wasn't even in the realm of considerations for me to say, no, never because it was that absurd. 
And what I realized is like how I was thinking about learning the, the guitar when you were talking about it is these things are all mountains to us. We, we tend to look at the end state and then seeing where we are today, you know, on the ground level, staring up at this Mount Everest and feeling like, well, that's too hard. That's too impossible. I can't just, you know, be at that summit. But the thing is, you don't step to the summit. You don't suddenly turn into the greatest guitar player in the world. You don't, you know, run the fastest marathon in the world right now. It's a process. And actually, in a lot of ways, the marathon training process breaks everything down multiple weeks and all these different runs. It makes it super tangible. But the thing that I learned was just don't look at the end, right? Like don't look too many weeks ahead because you're, you know, you might feel downtrodden and look at something and be like, well, I can't run 20 miles. I'm only doing eight right now. And it's like, well, yeah, you can't run 20 right now, but you don't have to run 20 right now. You don't have to be at that summit yet. And that was the big wake up for me. And so many of these kind of impossible tasks, including financial planning, like you're saying, you know, it it's too big. There's too much. I'm too far behind. It's like starting a diet, right? It's always the wrong day to start a diet, but eventually you're going to have to. So why not just start? Why not take that first step and recognize it's a path. You're going to get off track sometimes, but you will, you know, kind of wiggly line your way up to the top and, and figure it out. So maybe I shouldn't be so scared of the guitar, but at least I did the marathon and, and I got to take that approach forward. So Brian, thank you for sharing that anecdote. I, it was really powerful and I love uh, your thoughts on just getting started and really focusing on the next step and not allowing yourself to get intimidated by the mountain that sits in front of you. And I think sometimes when we start out doing something new, it's easy to feel like you're on your own. As I started playing guitar, I st it was really in my basement, uh, watching YouTube videos, trying to form those first chords, get my strumming down. And I made some progress uh, and I really started to enjoy it. But I reached a point where I knew if I wanted to get a lot better, I was going to need to get a guitar teacher. So now I take lessons. I, I go to someone's basement, take guitar lessons like I'm a junior high kid uh, learning guitar for the first time. Uh, but the unlock from having that teacher has just been huge, whether it's different chord fingerings or how to mute strings. The acceleration in my learning has really been fabulous. And I think the similar dynamic is in place with financial planning. So uh, as part of our 2023 planning and progress study, we found that a majority, 70% of Americans, say they have clarity on how much they can spend now versus save for later. But that number jumps to almost 83% for those that work with a financial advisor. So you're still on your own to a certain extent, uh, but your confidence, the decisions you make are so uh, far enhanced when you're working with a professional uh, advisor. It can really help you. I think it's more than just guidance in this case, because like you had to play the guitar. You could, your teacher couldn't play for you. I mean, that gets into a whole Milli Vanilli conversation for those who remember them. But with financial planning, it's a little bit different because you can get that guidance and get better educated and feel more comfortable and you can still, you know, have your teacher play for you, so to speak. You can you can trust in someone to take a lot of those steps and give you that guidance in a way that, you know, I, I couldn't have someone else's legs run that marathon for me. Your fingers still have to move on the, you know, the, the strings of the guitar. It's a little bit different with financial planning. Maybe that should take away some of that additional fear, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, we each individually have to make these decisions, but when it comes to financial planning, we can, you know, in a sense, play with like the best studio musicians or have like the most killer backtrack that makes us sound great. I think I think that's a really great insight relative to that fear theme that you were bringing up earlier. 
So I'll move to my third point uh, or third insight from playing the guitar. And this one's not terribly novel, but I think it's really powerful that the more time you invest, the better the return. So learning an instrument as an adult can be super frustrating. The progress can seem slow or just even like non-existent. I think I've even gone through weeks where I feel like I'm backsliding. I'm getting worse. Um, but when I take stock and I think about where I am now versus a year ago, you see the progression and there's there's confidence and excitement that that comes from that. And I think financial planning is the same thing. There's an upfront investment that you have to make. Um, but the real power comes from the journey, consistently saving. But I think even more than just the financial habits, educating yourself, spending time with your financial advisor, watching what's going on in the capital markets, that that steady um, education diet of insights really helps people, I think, profoundly. I think it's a really interesting takeaway is like, yes, you want to be in better financial health, but you're also talking about your sort of financial mental health, if you will, your ability to not feel like it's so foreign, out of your control. The, the more knowledge you have, the less it's likely to rock you when you find something that feels uncomfortable because you, you feel less powerless or you have more agency. I think that's that's a big part of this process you're talking about, including those down moments, right, where you you step backwards a little bit. It's almost like if you didn't do that, you'd never build some additional muscles of how to get through a tougher time. And I, I think that's really critical. So, you know, if people are, are sort of thinking like, I just want it to get better, I always want the market to go up. It's like, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, but then, you know, your real strategy is hope and maybe irrationality. What if you were able to win in the long term and get better in the long term, even when you have those moments of struggle? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You mentioned the squiggly line earlier. I think that as kind of funny as that visual might be, I think it's just, it's so true to the experience that people have in learning any new skill, financial planning included. Yeah. Well, look, before we meet Dr. Archuleta, who's going to tell us more about the psychology of financial behavior, which is, is kind of what we're getting at here is like the, the emotional, the mental side of it more than just the dollars and cents. Can you play something for us? Yeah, I would be happy to. So, you know, my interests musically lean a little bit more towards Metallica, Pink Floyd, etc. But uh, our our little new podcast here has a relatively limited budget, so I had to go for something in the public domain. So I'm going to play just a super brief snippet of Scarborough Fair. Uh, you, you likely know it from Simon and Garfunkel, but it's actually a 16th century English folk song. So here we go. Well, Christian, that was really good. And you definitely proved, I think you proved to everybody that you, know, you really have been learning to play the guitar and you've gotten uh, certainly much farther than I think I would have in two years. So kudos to you for following all of the advice that you shared with us. It, it clearly pays off. Yeah. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Christy Archuleta. She's a professor at the College of Family and Consumer Science at the University of Georgia. Dr. Ar Archuleta has an established international reputation in this area of financial therapy, as you mentioned, I think is really fascinating. I love the phrasing and looking forward to exploring it.
Dr. Archuleta, thank you so much for joining us. You know, Christian and I were just talking about how learning a new skill as an adult can lead to transferable skills and mindsets that you could use for something that may seem as separate as financial planning. That may sound wild to people. What's your take on that? Yeah, you know, people learn in different ways. So, you know, sometimes we're auditory learners, sometimes we're visual learners, sometimes we're more kinetic learners. Like you got to have something tactile and you got to touch and you got to do. I, I'm a person, I kind of have to have all of them. So I, I need a little extra help, I guess, um, in, in learning a new skill. But absolutely, we can all, we, we can learn, we can utilize how we learn in other ways for other things, like playing the guitar, for example, into financial skills. We're not born with financial knowledge. We're not born with natural financial skill. And so it's something that we do have to learn over time. And so how do we learn best? How do, how do we learn how to play the guitar? I mean, that's pretty amazing to learn how to play the guitar as an adult. My father-in-law did the same thing. And it's amazing to me, like what he can play and like what he remembers even after he hasn't played for a long time. Um, so just, you know, some people are very auditory, like they, they listen and then they can play something. Um, it, sometimes they need to read about it and then they can do it. Sometimes you need to be able to like have an activity that you're doing alongside the same, what you're learning how to do. And so as you're, as you're doing it, you're learning something as you go along. And so the, this, it, it applies again, across the, across the board. I often ask clients and, or tell my students to ask their clients. I'm a supervisor. Um, I'm a professor, so I teach courses. And then I also supervise our students who work in our Aspire clinic when they're working with clients doing financial planning and financial counseling services. And, um, you know, one of the things that I encourage them to ask is their clients is, you know, what have you done successfully before? How have you done this successfully before? Um, and what can you utilize from that, you know, learning a new skill or doing something different that you can apply to this situation now? Do you need to take a course? Um, there's some free online courses, you know, that you might want to take for financial knowledge um, and, and to increase that. Um, are there some activities that you want to do in terms of being able to uh, be able to uh, implement um, something different in, in terms of what you're doing? Maybe you just need to be able to develop a budget um, or you just need to sit down and, and look at it. Maybe you need a template and then you can just fill it in. And so that's interesting, too, when we work with clients, you know, just thinking from a budget perspective, people think here budget and they're like, oh, my gosh. I, that's like going on a diet. But a lot of times it's just a matter of finding what works for the client. A lot of our clients are scared of Excel. And if we hand them an Excel document and say, fill this in, they are like, whoa, I, I don't want to do that. But if they can get like a simple app, um, that works great. And other people are afraid of technology. So what's worked in other areas of your life that you can utilize and implement um, when you're learning financial knowledge and, and a new financial skill. So I love this idea of reflecting on past successes, how we've learned something in the past, and then using those experiences, using those skills to lean into something going forward. Uh, Dr. Archuleta, you've also talked about something called financial therapy uh, that has me curious. I'd love to hear more about that and what does it mean and how does that actually affect people? 
Yeah. So financial therapy grew out of this idea that mental health and financial health were very much interrelated. And for a long time, they've seen been seen as completely different different things. Um, and in fact, a lot of the listeners today are probably thinking, why in the world, how how in the world are those two things related? But if we think about it, the way in which we make decisions about money, what we do with our money, those, those behaviors that we have, are driven by how we think and feel about money. And so these beliefs that we have about money, these values that we have around money, really shaped in, in childhood. Um, and, and a lot of those have fueled like the emotions that we have, experiences that we have had over our lifetime has certainly had an impact on how we feel about money. And so when we're anxious or when we're feeling stressed or we are fearful, we make decisions or we do things to protect us from those feelings, perhaps. Um, maybe if we, you know, something like stability is really important to us um, because we're fearful that something bad is going to happen to us, we might be more likely to buy more insurance products or have a huge savings account that may be sitting in a, in a you know, just a bank account with not a lot of earning, not a lot of interest because we're afraid to move it into something that might actually be able to keep up with inflation, for example. But we make decisions based upon how we feel about something and these thoughts and beliefs that have really been ingrained with us since since childhood. That's leading me to think about something where it seems like in a lot of financial planning, maybe we lose sight of the person. You know, there's all these tools. We talk about the outcomes oftentimes without the person around because it's their life insurance decision. So it's like, well, if you're not here, let's set you aside for a minute and let's talk about everybody else. Maybe we lose sight of that individual. What you were just talking about is a much more personal way of thinking about money. How do we overcome that separation of the person from the financial plan? So it's more of a, you know, there's a human being inside of that plan and the plan is there to support them and what they care about. How do we make progress on that? Yeah, what a great question, because it can actually be scary for those people who are even working with with the clients to ask those questions um, and, and thinking about life insurance. What an important question to be asking people about. And sometimes we tap into that because we think about others. Right. So that's that's a pretty common approach, like what's going to happen to others and what's that's going to look like. But it helps to take away, again, what you were saying, that that person who's making that decision. And so what is that decision like for them? Um, what are they feeling? And so this is can be kind of scary, like because a lot of times talking about end of life issues is an extremely uncomfortable situation to be in. There's fear involved. Um, it's very scary. It might it might even be something more like disappointment, like, you know, what have I done with my life? And now I'm, I'm coming to this point in time where I'm having to make decisions for other people around me. And what do I have to show for it? Um, so there's can bring up a lot of interesting feelings that maybe you didn't even think about. Um, for that person, or maybe that person has been avoiding thinking about. And so you might actually be tapping into something that's that's quite sensitive. 
Um, and so how do we get around that? How do how do we how do we go there and help that person? Because that we're helping them with their particular plan. And sometimes it's just simple as asking, like, what's going on for you right now as, as you're making these decisions? And and what um, what is it that you're feeling? And not that you're you know, if you're someone who is selling that life insurance policy, it's not that you're trying to become a therapist, you're being a human being with that human being that you're sitting with. And so if you think about it, you know, what would you ask a friend? Would you say, well, you might actually ignore the friend's <laughs> emotions because you don't want to go there. I mean, that's that's an option. The same thing for for a client. But what is that like for your friend when you check in with them? What's going on for you right now? How, you know, what's this decision like for you? Um, and just that checking in piece can be so impactful. The client might not even know what's going on for them. That person who's making this decision might not know what's going on for them right now. They just know that it's really uncomfortable. It's sticky. It's it's maybe a little scary. It's just stressful. Like how how in the world am I going to know all these different situations that that could play out? You can't. Um, and so how do I make the best decision? And so they might just feel a lot of pressure. But the fact that you asked them and that you checked in with them is really the most important piece of it. So in your work, we're talking about, you know, very personal, very personal things and scary things, uh, uh, as you mentioned. And sometimes it can be difficult for people to face up to these issues and, and engage in the level of reflection that they need to engage in. They might try and dodge some of these tough questions. So for those that might be feeling this kind of fear, like how do we even start on this journey of self-reflection? So just like we were talking about in the beginning, everybody's a little bit different in terms of how they learn something. Everybody's also a little bit different in, in, in terms of how they tap into themselves and, and make changes. And so one thing that I like to encourage is just do something really small. Um, and so, you know, when you make these small steps, they lead to really big changes eventually. Um, but start with, you know, maybe even reading a self-help book. There's some really great ones out there. Um, my colleagues, the Clonses, have written some really great books um, that, that are actually written for the consumer. And so that's a, just an example. There's other great books out there, too. Um, that that tap into like what is it, what is it what are your beliefs what what are you thinking what are you feeling um, and where did these beliefs come from um, so we've all been shaped by our families our friends the communities that we grew up in and so I'm I'm giving you a very large answer when I just said take small steps but you know when you think about where do I start maybe just ask yourself what do I feel about money like when i go and spend something what a what is the emotion that i'm attaching to that and then why am i attaching that so maybe i go to the coffee shop and buy a cup of coffee and i decide i'm gonna get uh, i'm gonna splurge and i'm gonna get a, a latte when maybe normally i would just drink black coffee so why, why do I feel like I need that latte versus that regular coffee? 
And what is it like to actually spend what spend that um, when I spend something on myself? Do I feel guilty? Do I feel happy? Do I kind of feel indifferent? Does it make me feel stressed? Because maybe I feel like, oh, I, I that that's not in the budget. So I, that can't be in there. Maybe I feel guilty because I'm spending something on myself rather than spending it on my family. Um, and it doesn't really matter how much money you have. All of these feelings from the very wealthy to the lower income, these feelings run the gamut and they may or may not make sense to someone on the outside. And that's not what matters. What matters is what is it that you're feeling and how why is that? Um, so something just as simple as what was that spending behavior that that we're doing? Um, another thing is, you know, what's you know, if you think about what's one thing that I can do between now and tomorrow to improve my financial situation even a little bit? Maybe I need to, you know, may look at my bank account. That's commonly avoided. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I just need to see what's what's happening in there. Or maybe I need to talk to my partner about um, some sort of, you know, what what our plan is to purchase. We actually need to purchase a new stove at our house because <laughs> we had a crack in our stove. And so um, it, it, we, we, you know, we need to talk about that. What is it that we're, you know, what is it that we're going to buy? Um, so maybe having that conversation with that person about making a particular purchase that you need to make. So these are, you know, decisions run the gamut uh, in terms of big and small. Um, but and there's a lot of ways that you can tap in and, and start with. I appreciate Look, I see the theme of financial therapy and everything that you're saying. Like, what were you feeling that led you to upgrade to the latte? And how did you feel as a result of that? Um, you know, that's all about the emotion. But then you're talking about taking it from the sort of theory and feelings into actual practice in a really tangible way. I, I really appreciate that. Dr. Archuleta, thank you so much for sharing with us today and helping us think about where we stand in that financial equation per personally and for those that we're supporting. That was a really interesting conversation. Christian, what are our money milestones for today? What have we learned? Yeah, it's been a fabulous conversation. So the things that have stuck with me uh, from our conversation today, you know, number one, visualizing the goal, uh, determine what's holding you back and make a plan to act. Secondly, getting good advice. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Seek out trustworthy professional guidance. Uh, thirdly, the journey takes time, but no step is too small. Get off the couch if you want to run that marathon. And taking small steps today are going to set you up well for that long-term success. Uh, and then better late than never. It's always better to start sooner, but it's never too late to begin or to make progress on the things that we care about. Uh, I think that last one, especially, remember, you have not missed the window to do something better. Look for more tips and information. Check out the full podcast series at financialstatesofamerica.com. So thank you all for listening. Uh, in our next episode, we'll be discussing how to cope with economic uncertainty, and we'll be talking about how periods of market volatility or financial uncertainty impact our financial decisions and behaviors. And we'll be discussing how you can make the most of your money when that outlook is uncertain. And getting some insights from Peter Hooper, the vice chair of research for Deutsche Bank Securities in New York and a former member of the Federal Reserve Board. So for me, Brian Falchuk, and me, Christian Mitchell, you've been listening to the Financial States of America, and you can find more episodes from this series wherever you're listening to this one.
Northwestern Mutual is the marketing name for the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company and its subsidiaries in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, including Northwestern Mutual Investment Services, LLC, and Northwestern Mutual Wealth Management Company. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not intended as financial or investment advice. Please see your financial representative for specific recommendations to meet your personal needs and objectives. The views and opinions expressed in this program by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Northwestern Mutual. Statistics quoted based upon Northwestern Mutual research. For more details, see northwesternmutual.com. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments carry some level of risk, including loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss.